tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. My name is Oliver Queen. My name is Barry Allen. You're blind, but you see so much. Everything we've been doing, it all leads here. Suit up. Jim Gordon, GCPD. I hear good things about you, Counselor. Harvey Dent. Likewise, about you, Detective. You think you know me, but I've never been more than what each of you has created. <laughs> Just look at the flowers. And welcome to another episode of Televised Heroics. Daniel, we have been doing this for a year now. It was crazy seeing that, you know, Facebook memory come up. <laughs> right? I mean... Uh, this is actually our episode 43, so we haven't done 52 episodes yet, which would make sense for, you know, a, a full year. But, uh, you know, there's been off and on where we, we missed a week or so. So, obviously, about 10 episodes we've missed in a year, but <laughs> I don't think that's too bad, seeing as how we both have regular lives and stuff to do also. But, <laughs> you know, we've done it for a year, That's and, and we've we've had things to talk about, so that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we couldn't have done it without the fans, so thank you, listeners. Hey, listeners and people that have, uh, you know, supported and thrown in things and uh, gave us theories of their own and had uh, questions that they wanted to talk about and stuff like that. And, you know, just the community in general for Geek Elite Radio has been great. So, so glad that we've, we've been able to do this and have a, have a following. Hopefully we can keep on growing as well. Exactly. I mean, I feel like uh, I'm I'm ready to keep going as long as you are. I'm not ready to give up anytime soon. <laughs> well, all right then. Then we we know where we're at in this point in the show. We're gonna we're <laughs> gonna talk about some uh, comic book television movie news. You ready? I'm ready. All right. First thing I want to talk about is uh, interview with Eddie Murphy. So he's doing a promotion for Mr. Church that's coming up here. And he's he uh, was talking to Mashable. And I, I guess the question came up is if uh, you would ever want to do a superhero movie. And you know, seeing how superhero movies are, you know, pretty much the biggest thing going right now. Um, Eddie Murphy came out and said, uh, I kind, I'm kind of long in the tooth to fly in a cape now. So I'd have to be like the voice or of reason or somebody. Don't do that, Superfellow, or we need such and such. I would do a superhero movie if it was funny, and we were making fun of superhero movies, and I figured out how to do something funny, but even I don't buy me flying in, in, in with a cape on and, you know, fucking everybody up and having lasers shoot out. See this? Doesn't this look like bullshit? What would you call this? Who would I be? So I I think that uh, it, the unfortunate thing is that like a lot of the younger or a lot of the superhero roles go to younger people or younger actors right. as opposed to like Robert Downey Jr. who's still who got to be Tony Stark but that's because he kind of is Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, older actors tend to be the villains, you know, like you have uh, William Hurt played Thunderbolt Ross or. Uh, uh, Jeff Bridges played Obadiah, Obadiah Stane, and you know, so or even uh, 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 well, I can't think of his name right now. The guy who played Doctor Octopus, you know, the the older actors, yeah, Oscar Molina, yeah, Oscar Alfred Molina. 
Alfred Molina, yeah. Yeah, he got to play, you know, the, yeah, exactly. I mean, the older actors get to play the villains. So, I mean, wh- what would you see? Would would you see Eddie Murphy as a villain? I, I think I could see it. I, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I don't know who, though, in particular. Who do you think uh, he would play? You know, you know who I think would be a, a good one? You know, one, if you're just going off of, like he might, he wouldn't be able to play it funny because I don't think I don't think the character relates for anything funny, but like Black Manta from Aquaman, he could he oh, could play Black Manta. Sh- yeah, I mean that'd be a pretty good role for him. But if he if he wanted to still play it funny, why not the Riddler? Then that that would actually be a really good one too, and uh, you know, one up Jim Carrey hopefully. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't want him to go as extreme as Jim Carrey's character, because to me, Jim Carrey's character is the Riddler is more like the Joker should be <laughs> in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I wouldn't want him to go that bad. But like, I could still, you could, I could tell, you could totally still play him as serious and goofy, like funny, like because that's who the Riddler is. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I would love. I mean, I love to see anybody play anything in the superhero movie, though. So. Uh, I would. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I dig it. <laughs> um, did you? You had a story, right? Um, they yesterday they released uh, the first image of uh, J.K. Sim- J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. Right, and this is the picture of him uh, standing in front of the bat signal. He has right. his fedora, uh, fedora. Looks really noir-ish. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is this is going to be for the Justice League movie, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. That's isn't that kind of weird that he shows up in the Justice League movie first? Do you think? Maybe he has a hot tip that you know. Obviously, him and Batman go hand in hand, so maybe he has a tip on where to find some of the other metahumans. I, what are you talking? So not only did does Batman need Lex Luthor's files, but he also needed uh, uh, Amanda Waller's files, and now he's going to get a tip from Gordon too. He can't he can't find any of these people on his own. I guess not. He's not that great of a detective. <laughs> what we're seeing so far. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, obviously the Justice League movie is heavily reliant on, uh, the Batman character, and he's the one that's putting the Justice League together, so, you're right, it goes hand in hand that Gordon would be there to help, uh, Batman for some reason. Uh, I don't exactly understand why, but, uh, I mean, I I just don't want his character to just become a, a side character with one note and just like, hey, this is what is going on. Thanks Batman and walk away. I, I I like Gordon as a character. He's so integral in the Batman world in that he's his same own man. Here. Huh? I was same same here. And I thought they did a really good job uh, with Gordon's character and the Christopher Nolan movies. Yes, exactly. You know, to, to make it so that he was such a, a part of that particular Batman's, you know, moral compass, you know, was a great decision and speaking of batman in the bat in the dc extended universe Zack snyder also released a picture of i'm guessing one of batman's new suits for the justice league movie which is 
now being called the tactical Batman suit, which, one, I already have a problem with that. Why call it the tactical Batman suit? Doesn't every suit that Batman wears a tactical suit? Like, isn't that the whole point? Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one, maybe. (laughs) Uh, I mean... Um, I was reading an article. Um, it was with Michael Wilkinson. So he's a costume designer. Um, Batman actually has three costumes in this movie. Okay, that's. That, I mean, that's that's awesome. Because to me, I, it, the one one of the the one of the only things I liked about Batman v Superman was the non the regular suit that he wears in that, not the armored suit, but like the regular Batman suit. It it doesn't have a whole bunch of rubber padding it doesn't have a whole you know it doesn't it it looks like the one from the comic book it, it's very easy to wear it's you know it's it's very easy to move around in and just plain gray but uh yeah now it looks like we're getting another one that's kind of more like bale's suit where it's partitioned and has different mo- parts that aren't exactly connected but you know probably requ- covers more uh or ha- provides more protection um i think one of the Go ahead. I was going to say, well, if you're maybe going up against metas, you know, you need to have more protection uh, or I, a way to take them down. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, and it, the thing is, though, that the Batman in the comic books does that with just his regular suit. <laughs> That's the whole point of Batman. He could th- outthink <laughs> these people. But once again... This is not that Batman. He he can't think for himself. He has to get the information from everybody else. Uh, and rely on technology <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I do I do find it funny that it, most of the suits that like so you know I uh, in general with this suit I don't have a problem with it. The whole goggle look, you know, it, it's been compared to being looking like a uh, night owl from Watchmen. And I can, you can definitely see that. You, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that uh, Zack Snyder has the same uh, costume designer in this movie as he did in that movie, and it would make sense. And a lot of people are throwing out this uh, picture, this picture from a Batman comic book that shows that, oh, look, this comp, this this suit is actually from the comic book, so you can't be too upset about it. But I think the the, right. point, the the fact of the matter is that the particular picture that the comic book panel that you're looking at is a pan, is a Batman from a different uh, universe in the multiverse. It's from the multiverse comic book or multiversity comic book uh, where it's a Batman on a world of Nazis. So, like, <laughs> I think with so you have the nightmare Batman suit, the armored Batman suit, the regular Batman suit, and now this particular Batman suit, the Nazi Batman suit or tactical Batman suit, <laughs> I should say. Uh, four, three of three out of the four of those comic books, or three out of the four of those suits are from uh, alternate universes. Like, like uh, there's, they're not particular to the universe that they're they're supposed to be sticking to the 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 you know the the common one that we read so maybe this whole movie will eventually lead to multiverse and we'll get rid of this whole dcu like universe and all together that, actually that's one of the great things of having the, a time traveler on your fucking team you can just press the reset button when it goes south <laughs> So you're saying we might just get Flashpoint again in the multi, <laughs> the DCU movie universe? 
Uh, maybe. But I mean, I feel like Zach would probably destroy it for me. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I just find it funny that when ever though I, I the, the biggest problem I have with the DCU universe or the the, the movie universe is that. The, they think that when they have just these suits that that come that look just like the ones in the comic book, that that's good enough for us. Like they're like, oh well, look, it came right from this page. How can you not be happy now? It's just like, well, that's great. Bring more of that. But also remember what the character's supposed to be about. You're not giving me the same character that I've been reading. You're just throwing a. A fucking skin on on the character, like a mod skin, you know, on a character that's unrecognizable. So you get armored Batman from the Dark Knight Returns in a movie that also has to do with the death of Superman, and it's just like, why are these two things crammed together? It doesn't make any sense. So now you have this tactical Batman suit or tactical bat suit. Which really doesn't make any sense because every Batman suit is a tactical suit. Why do you need? Uh, why does he need these special goggles? Doesn't his cowl already have goggles? Have a screen inside? They're supposed to. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in Batman v Superman with his eyes lighting up, which was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty common in every com- Batman comic book that you pick up. He always has a white glowing eye, so you can see at night. Right, and, it, and, and and as you know in, like, uh, the Arkham Asylum video games, it doesn't do just, you know, like, so he can see at night. It also has a heads-up projection, like Iron Man suit, where it tells you, uh, you know, helps you analyze chemicals and, and helps you see infrared or heat vision or night vision, you know, all kinds of things. It, it's just, it's... You're you're just cramming too many things in, and then you're you're making they're making mistakes that are hurtful, you know. Maybe okay, just a wild thought because I mean the suit really resembles like uh, the suits from you know the Arkham games. What if he for some reason has to bust out fucking Lex Luthor and he's gonna go into Arkham to do it? Uh, okay, but why couldn't he do that in the the suit that he's already in? To me, it's also just like it's like, hey, give him more suits so we can sell more toys. That's another part of the the whole scam for me. That's true too, because I mean, movies, big budget superhero movies like that go hand in hand with toys. So yeah, well, you're spe- right. especially Warner Brothers. That's that's literally you know what killed the first set of Batman movies is like, Hey, make it more colorful so we can sell more toys. Yep. And I mean, that fucking killed uh, young justice too. Not enough toy sales. That, that's true. Not enough toys. I mean, maybe if they would have had, uh, you know, more suits for each individual character, <laughs> uh, we, they would have sold more toys, I guess. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> All right. Getting off of that. Stop with the DCEU bashing. Uh, we'll go to the other side of the DCEU, the TV universe, where Katie Lotz has, uh, who plays, you know, White Canary, Sarah Lance on uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, had something to say about the Justice Society of America and why, how, what her character's like uh, feelings about it is, and uh, she was talking to uh, EW, 
And it says, Sarah's never a fan of people who are too perfect and follow all the rules. But Sarah also has that military side to her. With organization and executing missions, they're pretty good at that. So there's a little bit of her that's like, or there's a little bit of her that's like, these people got their shit together. Uh, but it's also probably a little annoying because they got their shit together and they know it. <laughs> so, I mean, I get that with her character because, like, coming from the fact that she's uh, was part of the League of Assassins, or the League of Shadows, I should say, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> she was part of an organization that was extremely organized, a military-grade organization where, you know, this person told you what to do. You 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 did it. You accomplished it, and you came back, and thus were you know the mission happened. And that's not what the Rip Hunters team really is. The more no. often than not, they kind of just luck into their win. Uh, so if she came from that kind of background, it would it would drive her a little crazy that she doesn't. Or it doesn't. Her current team doesn't work properly. So you think uh, Justice, uh, with the Justice Society, she's going to put up a little bit of resistance? I think at first she'll probably end up admiring them. I think at first she'll be like, see, guys, this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is how we're supposed to act, and, and they're doing it much better than us. But then they'll, she'll, I mean, they might, who knows how the, the season will play out, but they, they might show some flaws that they have or how they... Uh, they really they don't treat each other like family or something like that, and then she'll be like, "Well, at least we have that, right?" Which would be completely wrong now because they do anyway. the, the Justice Society of America is more family than they are team, whereas the Justice League is more a team than they are family. That's how they're written. Yep. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sticking in this universe, uh, we have. Kevin Smith talking about his episode of Flash this season that he's directing. He tweeted out, uh, "Love directing CW The Flash so much. We shot a scene with Alchemy last night. I had to hide my nerd boner with the script the whole time." <laughs> so, uh, which was a big reveal that Doctor Alchemy is going to be in the season. Uh, I believe I, I hadn't heard anything about it up to this point, so it's a big reveal to me. Um, yeah, big reveal on me as well. <laughs> uh, it sounds like uh, other baddies that will be happening this season will be Savitar and Ma- Mirror Master, which Mirror Master is something I'm really excited about. I can't wait to see how they handle that. Savitar is a speedster that, you know, uh, is from, I believe, from the future. I, I'm, I'm not too sure. I, I, remember, I don't remember his storyline all that well. But uh, Dr. Alchemy is, is a character that. Uh, as suggested, he is able to transmute elements. So just like how uh, Firestorm is supposed to uh, be able to use his powers, he can change things like uh, from rubber to metal or oxygen to carbon monoxide. And, you know, using this Philosopher's Stone, which uh, most people will remember from the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, there you go. That Doctor Alchemy it will be in Kevin Smith's episode of The Flash, and I'm very interested in and in what they do there. With a little bit of a tie-in, because uh, the character of Doctor Alchemy also in the DC Comics universe 
has a connection to who apparently will be the big baddie for uh, Green Arrow this season, which we heard uh, Stephen Amell tease earlier in the summer. He said this season will not will go away from the whole magic and bigger than life scenarios uh, and more of a street level villain. Uh, we have Prometheus. To me, he's always been one of my favorite Justice League of America or JLA uh, villains. He was, uh, I believe, created by uh, Grant Morrison uh, for the New Year's Evil uh, storyline, crossover, however you want to call it. And, uh, yeah, Grant Morrison. And he's he's kind of like a Batman. And this is pre... This is pre uh, the Matrix, so the way that he, oh. the yeah, because the way that he was, he went about himself. He has this helmet that he wears, and he puts it when they was first created. He puts like a CD that has all the information that he needs for a certain subject into the helmet, and that then downloads it straight into his brain, which you know very much very Matrix like with the whole plug in and I need to learn kung fu kind of thing. Uh, he can he can put the CD in. I mean, if you update it now, it'd probably be like a a, a, a flash drive or something, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's he's very much so the the character that I know is very much so a like almost a villainous Batman, which you know they have plenty of those out there. But this one, his, his when his parents died, he went all about trying to take down the good guys. Instead of take down the bad guys, because I, be, I believe his parents were also criminals and they were uh, killed while being el- apprehended. Oh shit! So, very cool character. There have been three Prometheuses in the DC universe. Uh, this, the third one was an imposter that the second one took on as a uh, sidekick at one point when. The second one thought was was thought to be gone. The third one took over, and then he did something. He actually killed Red Arrow's daughter, and oh, yeah, I believe he killed Red Arrow's daughter. Uh, if, if that's how I remember it. So, uh, yeah, and then made it to the Red Arrow, lost his arm. So the Oliver, oh, fuck. yeah, Oliver went and got his. Uh, his revenge on him by killing him, putting an arrow straight through his head. Uh, so that kind of is this connection to green arrow and why, uh, I, I guess one of the f- fan theories out there is that this Prometheus that's going to show up in the season might actually be Oliver's son, uh, William from the future, come back to like challenge him. Which makes no sense. <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever, but, you know, we'll see how they decide to, uh... How they handle it? Handle it, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about all that? Pretty, uh, pretty heavy. I, I mean, uh, from what I've read, you know, not too much time traveling, not too much uh, Flashpoint's going to be going on. In this, so just uh, with all the villains that they're announcing, I'm like, how are they going to be able to cram all of this in? <laughs> it does. It does seem like a lot for the CW DC universe. Um, I, you know, I think that this. I think the whole Flashpoint part of Flash 
is going to be a, a big uh, a big turning point, I, I guess, or you know, a, a big event in this universe in general. And yeah, I think so too. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Oh, so, um, since we're talking about Flashpoint, I mean, right, right now, what, what would you want to see? You know, it fix or it, you know, kind of possibly fuck up in this TV universe. You know, that's that's an interesting, interesting thought. Um, I don't exactly know what I would like. I would like it to fix. I think it'd be interesting if we brought in Bart Allen in because of this. Uh, you could get like a, you know, impulse comes from the future to stop his uncle Barry or his, uh, grandfather Barry from, uh, screwing up his timeline with this whole flashpoint. Uh, one thing that I would really love because we saw it in DC's Legends of Tomorrow is the character of Connor Hawk, who is actually John Diggle Jr., Right. Yes. Yeah. But I would like to see. He an was actual, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He was awesome. But I would like to see an actual Connor Hawk, which is supposed to be the son of Oliver Queen. Ollie. Yeah. Because uh, when I started reading comic books, like regularly, uh, Connor Hawk was my Green Arrow. He, Oliver Queen, had already died. Uh, so I, you know, it was it was an interesting character to me, and just to have him be a one off like that. Though a very good performance, I would love to see him more and more of an accurate portrayal of him. Yeah, and I mean, I still don't know how they're going to cram all that in. Um, even though when you know they first introduced Laurel to us, uh, I wasn't too fond of her. But once she you know started kicking ass and being actually pretty crucial to the plot, don't say it. Um, I was sad that they killed her off, and I I would like for her to return <laughs> no <laughs> uh, all right i mean that's fine you, that, i mean that's what you you can want that to happen uh it would be interesting what i mean if they did that i mean i i think there is a uh, reports that she's supposed to be back for at least one episode this season uh, yeah and i think she's just coming back as black sire and i think they're just going to keep her as that now really huh yeah interesting um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could definitely bring her back with that. With that, it'd be an easy thing to do. But if you did that, then that just makes it more of. And and Arrow already has a big problem with this of death not being final because we brought back Sarah, we brought back uh, Mia, Thea. Sorry, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what's his face? Roy also didn't die, so it's right. It's hard to just keep not killing characters. Okay, so how about this? What if uh, they? So what if Laurel stays dead, but uh, Tommy Merlin comes back? Uh, you know, I, I I think you brought how this, that. Someone brought that this up before with his, with his head and mind. It would definitely fuck with his mind, and I could see him coming coming back for an episode but he's already on another successful tv show he's on uh, chicago men on nbc so i don't see him coming back as a regular oh yeah that's right you told me about that <laughs> <laughs> but it would be interesting for him to at least to to you know, like i could see the if they did like one episode that's in the flashpoint universe for oliver like he could be tommy merlin could be there 
yeah. <sighs> so exciting, but also so confused of what the hell, how they're going to play with all of it. <laughs> do you think that, and I think we might have talked about this before, but do you think that with, to keeping in mind the, the Flashpoint storyline, that in, instead of Batman and his dad, that they're going to use Green Arrow and his dad, like Green, like the Green, uh, uh, Oliver Queen's dad is going to be the the weird fucked up Green Arrow in the Flashpoint universe that lost his son and became a vigilante. Oh, very much so. Huh? Because we already saw in Earth Two that uh, Oliver Queen's dad was was the the Green Arrow. The Green there, Arrow, right? Yeah, they said that the cops apprehended him or something. Right. They, or they had, had him in custody. They had him in custody and unmasked him. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's yeah. That's definitely. Like I said, there's going to be big things to come out of out of that. I think so. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> switching over to the other comic book universe that's on TV, Agents of Shield. Uh, it looks like Entertainment Weekly also talked to uh, Greg or Clark Craig, who plays Agent Phil Coulson on Agents of Shield, and he had this to say about. Ghost Rider being in this season. He said he's a different kind of threat than anything we faced before. It introduces a part of the Marvel world that deals with more or deals more with strange elements of the Marvel universe and he's definitely the villain from hell. And to me, I mean that that answer definitely says that there's going to be some direct tie-ins with Doctor Strange. I mean, purposely using the word strange elements seems like a big clue to me and you know, uh, saying that he's a villain from hell uh, means that, you know, magic and supernatural stuff is definitely going to be in play. Very much so. And I it's just... It's just... Uh, go ahead. Oh, uh, you cut out. What was that? Oh, no. Uh, just go ahead. Finish what you were about to say. Just... Uh, I was, I was uh, just going to say it's, you know, how they brought it up before, how... The TV universe never, you know, they always mention the movies or show stuff from the movies, but, you know, the TV show, I mean, uh, but the movies never reference the show at all. Do you think this might change? You know, I don't think so, because the way I see it is that the TV show definitely has its own life and its own stories, but it's there to supplement the movies, whereas the movies aren't there to supplement the TV show. They're not there to call back to the TV show because... They they don't want to they don't want to isolate people watching the movie that haven't watched the show. They already okay. have to they already have to uh, account for people that that are watching the movies to have already watched the other Marvel movies and like there's going to be people out there that went to go see uh, Captain America Civil War that didn't see Ant Man just because they didn't feel like they wanted to you know what I mean right so it, it, if they were to throw back to the TV show also, I think it would just be hard. However, I did this past weekend watch uh, my copy of uh, Captain America Civil War Blu-ray with the audio commentary on, which has uh, the Russo brothers and the two writers for the movie talking, and they said there are some direct uh, uh, references to Agent Carter in the movie, which, uh, you know, is a TV show. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> what are you going to say, though? <laughs> no, uh, I don't even remember at this point, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, did did you you had one more thing that you wanted to talk about? Um, this uh, kind of steps away from um, the normal, but um, I did want to say that I've been posting a lot of stuff about Pokemon and Pokemon Go on our page. Um, that right now, um, I guess in order to supplement us for the next game that's coming out uh, with Sun and Moon, uh, what they're doing is they're releasing weekly shorts, which are just uh, under five minutes, but they basically uncover or reference things that they've never referenced in the anime before. So, uh, like, one of the episodes was Red going through all the different generations of the games and just taking down opponents or, you know, godlike Pokemon with his Pikachu, which I thought was pretty cool. So I'm excited for the anime shorts. Well, there you go. I have to say that... uh... I have never really been a fan of Pokemon. Like, I mean, I don't hate it or anything, but I just never followed it. So a lot of those words that you just said, like, I understood that they were words, but I have no idea what they actually mean. <laughs> so it's kind of like you were speaking Greek. <laughs> uh, gotcha. But, but that's cool. I, I, I'm. It's awesome. I love the to hear the fact that there's more content out there for people that are into that stuff. And Pokemon is a huge thing, obviously, all around the world. Uh, just look at the, look at what Pokemon Go has done. So, there you go. Woo! There's more more content for for people to to geek out over. Uh, however, getting back to comic book TV, uh, Robert Kirkman, Robert Kirkman has been interviewed, and they uh, he says he basically has one word to describe the Walking Dead season seven, and that one word is epic. So. That's, you know, something that we're going to definitely have to look forward to. I mean, I, I doubt he was going to come on and just say, oh, no, this season sucks. Don't watch it, you know. <laughs> uh, that would be terrible. But I think there's a lot of anticipation for this season, especially with the cliffhanger that we were left on with the end of last season. Uh, but then we the other things to look at, look for, you know, we have the, we have the introduction of the kingdom. You know, we're going to see more of this. We're going we're gonna to see uh, exploring more of the saviors and the sanctuary and Hilltop and Negan and his group and there's just all kinds of things that we're gonna that sounds like is gonna be part of this season, not just who died by Lucy. <laughs> uh, we have Ezekiel and the tiger too, which is pretty badass. <laughs> Very badass. We have a tiger on the show. <laughs> uh, could you imagine thinking about that when uh, you know watching that first season, that first couple episodes of of uh, Rick, you know, waking up in the hospital and getting on a horse and traveling into Atlanta or out of Atlanta and just being like, you know what? This show really needs a tiger. (laughs) Uh, Yes, but definitely does. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Which then takes us to our one show that we're talking about this week. Uh, we we have to wait till next week. We'll have one show. We'll have a Fear of the Walking Dead plus Gotham. But this week we're still just talking about Fear of the Walking Dead, and the episode is uh, Pablo and Jessica. Who are Pablo and Jessica? Daniel. So Pablo and Jessica were um, Pablo's Luciana's brother, right? And Jessica. I uh, can't remember so much, actually. Oh, uh, Jessica's the um, the wife of the grieving husband. Yeah, the, um, the groom, the the grieving groom, the the wife that that got married in the 
uh, second episode or third episode, second episode, yeah, that we saw get married. No, it was the third episode. Yeah, third, yes. Yeah, the one we saw our face get bit, and uh, then yeah. what's her face closes up the room, and obviously the wedding party blames her for her, her death, but it was not her fault. <laughs> she only did what was you know best interest of the hotel staff. So. Uh, this episode, as we've seen, there's three stories to follow in this season. Uh, we're following, in this particular episode, we're following Nick's story and, uh, Nick's story Madison. with, Nick's story with, what's, what are they calling that? The the community? No, not the community. The, the colony? The colony? They say it in Spanish. La colonia? The, la colonia. There you go. Which I assume means the colony? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then we're also following uh, Madison, Alicia, and Strand. Oh, I guess there's technically four stories since we don't know what happened with Sophie yet. Or Sophia? Ophelia? Ophelia, that's her name, not <laughs> Sophia. <laughs> so We know what happened to Sophia, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Shh, we're not talking about that. <laughs> All right. But yeah, uh, Strand, Madison, and Alicia. So... Uh, let's talk about Nick first. Uh, this is we get to learn more about Nick and the pharmacist. Yeah, we definitely wasn't expecting, you know, Nick trying to be resourceful, and I wasn't expecting for you know him to just like so. I heard you got bit. What's going on with that? <laughs> just yeah. very blunt about it, and nothing hinted, or just hey. What's up with the story? <laughs> what did you What did you think of that story? the The idea that there was another junkie kid in town that would steal uh, drugs from him, and then one one day he took a drug that kind of kind of zonked him out, basically turned him like into a a walking coma patient. And the other people in the in the colonia uh, found him, uh, mistaked him for a, a zombie. Yep, and then threw him out. Yeah, and then the rest of the, the the town, or when they were they were trying to fight, or yeah, fight off the zombies, he uh, he went in there to save the kid, but then was end up bitten by another zombie. Yep, and then basically just says, you know, um, healed up like nothing happened, and he's like, that's not true. I've seen other people bit, and they just after that they turn. Which yeah, which is very crazy, and I think we we talked about it last week with the whole you know it's a virus, so there's obviously going to be the potential that one in so many people is going to be immune to it, just like uh, I am Legend, you know, what's his, uh, Will Smith's yeah. character, you know, can get bit by in that movie it's weird zombies, in the actual book it's vampires, but uh, you know both <laughs> cases he's immune to the the disease, so. It's uh, it's it's possible that this that that could be something that happens in this world. Is, has there ever been anything like that? A person's been immune to it in the comic book that you know of? I, not that I know of. I don't, I don't think so. And even in the regular Walking Dead show, they haven't done anything like this either. So it's really, really interesting with this. You know, if this is just 
a marketing ploy so I can get you to watch both shows. That is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, like like I said before, the, the, this show has to be different from the regular Walking Dead for it to be its own thing. I mean, if it's just this, if it's the same, then it's it's just the Walking Dead again. What's the point? Yeah. So, do you think that there's anything else that it could have been? Do you think it could be a lie? Do you think it could have been uh, another person that was just zonked out on drugs that bit him and not an actual zombie? That bite, though, I mean, that bite looks pretty pretty massive, you know? Yeah, true. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how it could be or what, what, what the story could be. I, 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 that, this is very something that I'm very interested in, in seeing how it plays out. I mean, it's true. You do have a point. The guy could have been on bath salts and they confused him for a walker and, you know, the bath salt person been. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, uh, with, uh, that, he goes on to, uh, play soccer with the kids and he eventually, uh, finds out from the farm. Does the pharmacist have a name? Do I, am I, am I not remembering it? I think he does, but I, I don't think I even wrote it down either. So he, uh, the guy gives him a house, gives him a home to live in because he says you can't, you can't be staying in the the infirmary anymore because I have patients coming in and out and you know, I need the room, I need the bed. So, uh, he kind of just, he shacks up in there and eventually is Luciana comes in to be comforted about her brother yeah. being get killed or like, yeah. Cause she, he was, he went missing earlier in the season and uh, now someone has come in to report that they found pieces of his body. Yeah, which is pretty fucking terrible to hear about. I think you broke And it. so, oh, I just said it, it's pretty uh, terrible to hear something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, it was a, I mean, they go on to, I don't know, share a, a, a passionate kiss and night together uh, between Luciana and Nick. Bounce, chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> I, I do you find it weird? I mean, did you not? Did you think that it was going to be like Nick and Ophelia after last season? I I definitely thought it was going to be Nick and Ophelia. Yeah. So I really did think with, so. With this happening, what what? How do you feel about that now? It kind of okay. I knew there was uh, going to be some kind of romance there because you know he was being very comforting you know like oh i'm sorry you know i've lost someone close to me i know what you're going through you know he was just being just being there to help but obviously you know that led more to more and uh they had a kiss so i think um i just really hope that nick isn't like oh about last night um yeah you know this can't happen i hope that doesn't happen i hope he's not a douche like that no yeah i i, I don't think that he would have the foresight to think something like that. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. One thing we did skip over is the is Nick comes up with an idea of how to get them more supplies from the the guys who have the marketplace. And yep. So cutting up uh, the oxy with the with the condensed milk. So okay. So that was what what, what he the idea is that uh, if. You take one pill, cut it in half, fill and fill in the oxy for the half that's missing. Now you have two pills. 
Yes. Okay. They doubled the supply, basically. But obviously, this, the, the one dose will be weaker than it was. I mean, is this going to backfire on them? Well, that's what the pharmacist, and I found out his name is Alejandro. Alejandro. That's what was uh, was telling him. He's like, you know, they're going to notice. He's like, yeah, he's up, but this is going to buy us more time. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's a plan, so that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's like, I'm a junkie. I'm good for something. <laughs> yeah, that is the, the funny thing is that he constantly refers to himself as being, you know, as being a junkie, being an addict, and not being uh, helpful in any way, but Obviously, this the last, end of last season, the, the beginning of this season, he's been very helpful, very resourceful. And but uh, it's obviously because he doesn't have the drugs to fall back on. I mean, he can get his hands on the oxy, but I don't think he'd put that uh, put them in, at risk. That's a good question. Would I mean, uh, as we've been told, you know, addicts tend to when when put around the situation where they're. Uh, addiction is nearby they're gonna end up screwing up do you think at some point he's going to fall to his temptation and and screw up i think if some if um if oh shit uh luciana and nick really do become an item i think she's gonna be like his distraction so i don't think he's gonna fall you know uh to his addiction again good i mean obviously it's an easy easy way to create drama for his character. I just hope they don't take the easy way out. That'd be really stupid if they did. <laughs> uh, anything else about Nick's storyline that you want to talk about? Uh, no. No? I think I got it all. Yeah. So we get to find out uh, next in the Madison storyline what actually happened down in the bar. So the last we saw of Ma- Madison and Strand, they were surrounded at the bar by by infected, and had absolutely nowhere to go. So this time we they kind of jump back in time a little bit because we've already seen them with uh, Alicia and uh, what's the name of the the hotel lady? Ooh, uh, Elena. Elena. So we, they they got to them already, but uh, we jump back in time and they're surrounded, and they're they're killing a couple infected here and there, and then all of a sudden Madison just goes and opens a door that goes into the back stock room. It's like, why didn't you just think of that before? Like, why did we have to end on this drama of you being stuck when obviously there's a way out right there? To build suspense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, after they, they go through there, they, they, they make it to, uh, an, the other room, the other part of the hotel. Like, it, it sounds like Elena said that there's like three different towers or something like that at three different buildings and they're all interconnected by these, uh, underground, ta- uh, tunnels. But then they mm-hmm. have the main meeting room too. Oh, okay. So that, that's, um, uh, that's where they worked up the plan too. Okay. So and that's where and that's where they ended up meeting up, and they come the they now that they're all together and, and Madison asks where Ophelia is and she's like I have no fucking clue matter yeah she Alicia says I don't know where she's at uh, she took the easy way out she took the but didn't they also say that she took the truck right the like the well they they blamed it on Alicia they're like oh Alicia took the truck and she's like no um, it's like no it can't be. And it's like, well, the dead don't drive, but yeah, they did go to the assumption that they took the truck. Yeah, okay. 
So uh, now the the whole idea is that they need to get the walkers or the infected uh, dead. They need to kill them off so that they can have a place to live. They can make this hotel and the resort into a, a functioning home or fortification or something like that, you know, to to live and, and survive. And uh, the first thing they do is they use Atlanta's plan of, uh, well, kind of the, the, the reversal of Elena's plan and letting the infected out of those rooms and, and, uh, killing them one by one. Right. Right. And then they drag the bodies down to the beach, but then they find, you know, that's taking way too long. They're like, Oh, it's going to take weeks. I'm like, well, we don't have fucking weeks. We can get it done now. <laughs> Which, uh, was funny. Cause they have the, the bride, the, the, the wedding party helping them out. And, there's a few people that you don't know. You just see them like carrying bodies and stuff. And at one point, I don't know if it's the groom or if it's a friend of the groom because I kind of lost who people were in that whole thing. But he says, "Well, why do we have to? Why why can't we just leave this one or or not kill this one or something like that?" And she's like, "If we leave one, then we're all it's it's all for naught. We're all gonna die. Like if they can get back, then there's no point." Right, which was uh, actually pretty interesting because, I mean, they're all stupid. They're all going to fuck up and, you know, one of them's going to get bit and then, you know, the other one's going to get bit. It's going to be all over. <laughs> vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. But this is when Alicia comes up with her plan because they're down at the beach and her and Madison are talking and she points at a sign that's on the bridge and unfortunately, or not on the bridge, it's on the pier. I, I don't read spanish I, and i couldn't I didn't, I didn't see an english translation so what what did it say um it said dangerous riptide fast current no swimming allowed okay so from that she gets this massive plan that uh she can lead them all out uh onto the pier and then use a, an opening in the pier where once I get the I, eventually the pan the plan comes out that Madison is the one that's going to lead them out into the pier. She jumps from the pier into the water to get to a boat, and then all the infected are going to follow her into the water. And now, in the water, I guess the idea is that they're just going to be stuck there. They're 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 going to they're they've because you're not hitting them in the head, so they're not dying, but they're not going to be able to to get back to the to the shore. Maybe they're thinking that the current's going to be too strong, that it's just going to swoop them up. Swoop them up and take them where? Out to sea? That's not the way, yeah. <laughs> that's not the, way the beach works. <laughs> I mean, from what we've encountered before, uh, zombies do take in a lot of water, and they do get you know engorged like that well zombie that fucking Glenn had to take care of. Right. So wouldn't that make them a lot slower and a lot easier to take down? Uh, yes, uh, to a to a point. However, this is salt water, and as we saw earlier in this particular show, when they were out on sea, and uh, I believe, I believe it was Chris that got knocked into the water, and there was that like basically floating horde of zombies that were just all kind of floating on top of the water together they were still alive they were or, you know alive for them and trying to eat him when he got caught underneath it right oh that's true 
so, I mean, I guess another theory is um, some of them are still pretty fresh, so they have, you know, fresh blood on them. So wouldn't that attract sharks and get eaten by sharks? Yeah, if it goes further out to the ocean, you know, <laughs> it's just to me. If you're at the beach, it's it's not easy to to go out further uh, into the ocean from that point because the waves are coming in and bringing you closer to the shore. So I just I just find it weird that Alicia would one say we have to make sure each one of them is dead or else the whole idea is gone when her big plan is to not actually kill any of them and just hope that they get swept out to sea. <laughs> I personally, what I would have done, uh, I would have brought them all to the, to the pier. Um, I would have left the trail of gasoline and just let the pier on fire. Yeah. See, I think lighting the pier on fire would have been a great idea. Uh, you know, or had there been like some rocks at the end of the pier. I mean, obviously, this is a, a show, and they could have wrote, wrote it any way they wanted. <laughs> so there could be rocks at the end of the pier, and like they would all fall to their deaths down there or something. But that's not what happened. They're they're all. It's like a bad Von Bond villain. Like I'm just gonna leave you here <laughs> alive and assume that you die in my trap, and then walk away and never actually see you die, <laughs> hoping that it doesn't come back to bite me in the ass. And with zombies, it could literally bite you in the ass. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that that was my big problem with that particular plan of hers. I mean, the writers probably ran out of ideas. Like, how do we, you know? I mean, it, it's so much that, it, that they ran out of ideas is that the idea is that eventually it will come back to, to, to bite them in the ass. Right. And, I mean, I guess uh, with this type of show, though, you never have, you know, a little run of luck. You know, your luck always runs out. So you think you're lucky for a bit, and then, you know, another threat gets introduced. That's right. You got to wait for that other shoe to fall. <laughs> uh, which then, you know, not talking about that anymore, brings us to the last part of this particular party's story. Uh, they're all having a celebratory dinner, and, you know, they're like, all right, we've rid the whole resort of the of the infected. We can start putting up walls or whatever the hell we need to do to fortify this place. And... Uh, they realize that the that the groom isn't there. He isn't there celebrating with them, and they ask or Strand asks uh, where the honeymoon suite is. And he goes up there and he has a heartfelt like talk with the groom because they both have just lost someone that they loved. Like uh, the groom even says to at a point that I'm not going to let you kill her. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that moment, you know. Um, It was a really well-acted piece, and they both, you know, like you said, have a heartfelt moment. You know, they both open up, and then, you know, what Strand, you know, what he really says, he's like, you know, eventually you'll be able to move on, and it'll get easier, but, you know, she's not really alive anymore. She's dead, and you're no longer committed to her. You know, death separated you. Right, yeah. And that's to me. Oh well, I mean, obviously, Strand is there for a reason. He's like, you know, I know it's hard for you. This is not something that you can do, so I will go and do it for you. So he lets him into the room, and then the door shuts, and you can assume from there that Strand takes care of the problem. However, yeah, 
I don't know if maybe I just wasn't paying attention enough or I wasn't, uh, I wasn't focusing or, or I wasn't picking up on the clues. I had no idea that it was the bride that was in that room (laughs) (laughs) at first. I thought what they had been talking about was the bride's mom. I thought the bride's mom was in the room and he, him being Uh, like the, the son-in-law and like the only family that she had left was he was like protecting her because maybe she had got bitten and hadn't changed yet. You know what I mean? So I thought right. the idea was that Strand was going in there to kill her or take care of her because she was going to going to change or had already changed or something like that. I I didn't realize that it was supposed to be the bride until he actually walks in there. So <laughs> <laughs> I was really confused. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Um, thought of pretty much about the same thing. He's gonna kill the mother-in-law, but then until he's like, "Oh, her name's Jessica," and I was like, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> so yeah, it's it's interesting to think that he didn't allow them to you put Jessica into the giant horde that they walked out to the pier. Uh, was there anything else about this this particular party that you wanted to talk about? Um, I want to uh, just uh, going back to Strand. I really liked um, how he handled the situation because you know he had to put down his lover, so he was saving uh, the groom. You know, just the despair and the pain that he would go through by putting Jessica down. I I mean, I don't know how would. You... I know this is a weird story or weird question to ask, but like if you were in the same situation, would you want someone else to do it for you or would you want to do it yourself as a, almost as a respect or a closure for yourself? You know, a respect for the person that you love. I would do it myself just out of closure. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's what I'd want to do too, but I mean, obviously it's the situation. (laughs) I mean, it, it could be a real world situation in, in that too. I mean, if a if a person that you loved was you know dying of uh, if you want to go to the extreme of cancer or something like that, or you know you're you actually you're you're stuck out in the middle of the woods and they're they're already in a lot of pain from infection they're just dying you're not not in stuck in the middle of the woods but like like the 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 soccer team that was that crash landed in in the mountains you know and yeah your you know a loved one is is literally dying. Because there's not going to be any medical help that's going to come anytime soon. Do you just put them, and they ask you to, do you put them out of their misery kind of thing? It, it's, it's, wanna, it's a situation that not a lot of people are going to be put into, obviously. And right. it's never going to be a zombie situation because zombies aren't real. But uh, <laughs> it's it's something that you'd have to, I, I would assume you'd want to think about a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, so you would have... I guess you wouldn't have done what what Strand did. Then you would have let the groom take care of it. Well, I mean, no, that's not. That's not, I'm not saying. I would say that in the situation, I would be like Strand and and did it myself for the person that I loved. But if you mm-hmm. know, I saw someone that was in the groom situation and he couldn't do it, but it needed to be done. Yeah, I would offer up my services. I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> such a weird it's a weird conversation to have or a thing to I think know. about <laughs> uh 
but yeah, like, this was. I think this was a really good episode for this show. I mean, this is the type of episode that people need to watch that have thought that this show is not its own thing. And I, I really think that this is uh, one that showcases how well this show could do. I mean, other than the problems that I had for it with it, but I think it, it, it's one that could do really well. It, it would show off, showcase it really well. Yeah, um, it it definitely did show, you know, everybody's acting chops, well, some, and then what would you do in that type of situation moments? Yeah, exactly. Like escaping the bar. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, you, you, you remember, you've seen Shaun of the Dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, they they kind of have a similar setup in the very end of that movie where they're, in, they're behind the bar and they're surrounded by uh, zombies and... The thing that they do is they they break open the the liquor and light a fire right there, which you know necessarily doesn't hurt zombies. Like it doesn't. It, I'm sorry, it doesn't keep them away, but it will hurt them if they get if they catch themselves on fire. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'll slow them down it'll too. Slow them down. There you go. So, I, I mean, I I don't see why they didn't do something like that. But no, they cut up a zombie and, you, you know, use the zombie disguise. <laughs> That's right. They did use the zombie camouflage. I forgot about that. She's like, uh, I see Nick do this a bunch of times. Let me see if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking Strand almost blows the cover. That's true. <laughs> uh, all right. You know that's that's this week's uh, Fear the Walking Dead. So we have a episode for next week, and we have an episode of Gotham next week. We'll see how that starts off the season, and uh, we're getting that much closer to more shows coming back. Woo! <laughs> before uh, before we leave for the day, I'd like to uh, promote the fact that one of our very own in Geek Elite Radio is uh, has uh, written a script, co-written a script with someone, and is now directing. A short film of his own. It's it's kind of a sci-fi genre film. It's called Chained, uh, and and our very own Richard Owen is the creator director behind that. And he has an Indiegogo page to uh, fund it. So if anybody listening to this would like to go and uh, see more of that, you can either go to our Facebook page where it's uh it's been posted, or or go to Indiegogo and search the movie uh, Chained. So uh, go go out there and support it. Share it with other people in your feeds, and uh, you know, try and help out a young uh, movie director. <laughs> uh, but other than that, we have uh, ways to get in touch with us. Are I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat on Twitter, Daniel. I'm at Daniel von Helvet on Twitter, and we are also at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. And you can always check us out on Facebook at, at Geek or not at Geek Elite, just Geek Elite Radio on <laughs> on Facebook. Uh, you know how to use Facebook. Everybody knows how to use Facebook. <laughs> Everybody from four year olds to ninety four year olds now. But uh, you know that's where most of our conversation happens, and you know where we all geek out about everything that we love to geek out about. Uh, you know, it seems like a lot of people do well with the the Pokemon posts and the. The the Saiyan Dragon Ball Z post, so you know those. It's, it looks like there's some things that we need to start talking about for this uh, this network. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Other than that, this has been uh, the Televised Heroics on Geekly Radio Network saying, always remember to geek out, geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> <laughs>